Okay, Nikki Moffat, between us, we've lived in 13 countries, given birth in six, changed careers five times, and the two fat expats has got nothing to do with weight and everything to do with packing as much into your expat experience while you make the adventure towards yet another new home, a new school, a new job, and new friends. We want this to be a fat experience where you go home one day knowing you've made the most out of it. I'm currently grounded in Australia with my children. My husband is literally in the car on his way to us right now. And after not being here for a few months, Nikki Moffat, you're in Copenhagen with your family. How are you? Mm. With all my family, Kirsty. Today finds me with all my family as we have returned to homeschooling and home officing, apparently. So you'll see that on the camera that no one else can see that I'm in another room today. And uh, that's because I've been ejected from my recording studio. <laughs> now, Nikki Moffat, this is our official Christmas uh, episode that we... Oh, sorry, will... we should be jolly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just kick off with a couple of fat expat uh, Christmas questions. Nikki... I put a Christmas post in our Two Fat Expats Facebook group, which has how many people are in that group now? 31,500 people, Kirsty. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and I asked the Fatterati, what was your best expat Christmas? And uh, I think there was uh, hundreds of comments, but I thought I'd generalise and break them down to a few. And then, Nikki, I'd like to know from you, um, what was your best expat Christmas? Do you have a best? What was my best expat Christmas? It's so hard to say because different ones are different. Like you feel differently about them depending where you are and what you've done, I think. I think it's an it's an age and a stage as well as a location. I can't say a favourite. We've gone home on average every second year for Christmas. We always try not to go home the first Christmas that we live in a new country because we usually move mid-year and we feel it's unfair to spend the first, the first five months planning to leave because it yes. doesn't really put you in the mindset to settle down. That's a very so good point. we have had some amazing Christmases uh, and we, I would say, you know, <laughs> The ex, we've always participated in expat orphan Christmases when we've been away. We have um, always had full tables and full hearts and lots of laughter on Christmas Day because we always catch up with all the people who live near us who can't be with their families or, or don't go to their families that year. So I would say we had in the US we had this massive basement because we had this enormous house and we used to just set up trestle tables and we would have, I don't know, 30 or 40 people in our house on Christmas Day and just all day people would come. Our neighbours would go and spend Christmas Day with their family and then come and hang out in our basement afterwards. We'd have Australians with us during lunch. We'd have people who didn't travel. That was they were just so fun those Christmases because it was just one of those it reminded me of home in a way in that it's just a really relaxed like we just did all this massive preparation and then we went to the basement and our kitchen wasn't there so we just sort of spent the day in the basement and just relaxing um our first expat Christmas in Hong Kong where we had members of uh, members from the US Navy who we had sort of five or six US Navy members come and spend Christmas with us and our other 
expat orphans. That was a good one. And, you know, we had some amazing summer expat orphan Christmases in South Africa because South Africa and Australia are on the same season. So it was nice to return to it. Very similar. Yeah. It did feel nice. Like it's always felt different when we're away because it's different weather. But the South African ones were, you know, nice and they felt like home because, you know, you had barbecues and the indoor-outdoor flow and all that kind of stuff. So I can't, Kirsty, I can't in all good conscience say my favourite one. You know, I can't. I'm yeah. sorry. So the general <laughs> the general consensus from people was it seemed to lump into sort of three or four groups. Surprise visits was a big one. Oh, whether, yes. Whether you flew home and surprised your family or they somehow flew in and surprised you or maybe you flew in your mum and dad, but then they didn't realise that you'd also flown in someone from another country that meant something special to them. Like there was a, yeah. there were a couple of those. The other one was um, exactly as you've said, those orphan Christmases where it's just the neighbours and friends and you just gather around at a big table of, you know, up to you know someone said that they had 80 people at 80 people they stopped counting how many people they'd had and okay, I didn't have that many people in my basement <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it was beautiful um and then we had a lot of people saying that they loved celebrating christmas within a muslim country because they could just see the generosity of the local population of how they um, welcomed Christmas and um, played a partner. Many of the uh, countries that I've lived in that you would have said were predominantly Muslim, whether it was Libya or Indonesia or Malaysia, is that everyone was quite happy to see you do your Christmas tree and your bobbles and wish you a Merry Christmas. You know, in Qatar, every year you'll have, you know, Qataris wishing you a Merry Christmas, even though you know it really isn't their day, like nothing big. Sometimes it's even a work day and yep. you're back at work the next day. So, yeah, someone said they always love their Christmases in Senegal, that there were the really flamboyant trees blooming and that even though it was a vastly Muslim country, they would still decorate for Christmas and one of the Islamic radio stations would play carols. And then we had, oh, we had a few of the once-in-a-lifetime trip, you know, the people that had travelled to Lapland and taken their kids. to see Santa. I mean, that would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, someone else said they did a once in a lifetime trip to Switzerland, beautifully decorated town, Christmas markets, food, skiing, cozy throws to wrap yourself in, heated outdoor pool, unbelievable food like fondue and services in medieval churches and trees decorated with oranges studded with cloves. Like it sounded absolutely stunning. And then someone else shared some pictures of a holiday they'd had in Thailand where they went completely isolated. And they rented one of those long tail boats and toured all of the tiny little uninhabited islands and went snorkeling and swimming, etc. It really does make my day out on the back deck with uh, a pile of prawns and a bucket to put the shells in. <laughs> it's a pretty nice back deck. It's going to be newly <laughs> newly oiled for Christmas as well. So. Oh gosh, oh gosh, that was that was an expense. I don't think we thought out very well. Was the the bill that's going to come for the oiling of the deck? 
So I thought it was interesting. Some of the locations we had listed, Senegal, Mauritius, Switzerland, Korea, Dubai, Thailand, Philippines, Japan, Vancouver, Carols in the Desert in Abu Dhabi, Warsaw, Lapland, Oslo, Budapest, Aruba, Jamaica, uh, Egypt, Kuwait, Kenya, Argentina. Um, it just, when people started listing them all, it was like, gee, Nikki, the Fatarati spread uh, far and wide, don't they? And for Christmas. And so I just want to now, I know my brother listens to this podcast, so I want to make a special mention to our Christmas <laughs> that we had all together in Bali. Where, yeah. <laughs> where my brother's family and my husband's sister's family and both our parents all came together uh, for Christmas and had a had a family holiday so there was no pressure on everyone and everyone got to travel and that was a really good one I'm sorry I just want to say I was thinking of my expat Christmases rather than my (laughs) at-home Christmases I count that in the at-home one sorry about that family Uh, Kessie what about you what's been your favorite Christmas then Oh, I, I, I like you. I've I've got a couple. Um, one was we went skiing uh, in Canada, Panorama, and we had great friends fly over from Australia. Uh, I I had four kids under seven, which seems insane, but they went to the you know the ski school and the ski daycare school. and whatever, and so they had a wonderful time. Apart from Henry's baby, he wasn't really fond of it. Uh, but the others had a great time. That we had one of those big, beautiful, you know, ski homes. We were nice and close. It was it was really perfect, and we'd done epic shopping beforehand and all the meals were planned and uh it was very much you know that whole the big chill kind of theme good old good friends good music good dancing a few people sort of came by here and there a mix of old friends from home and new friends from Canada so that was lovely um and then you know snow rolls out of the hot tub and you know far too many beers and all that stuff and then the other one that really comes to mind and it's quite funny because when I put this in the Fatterati chat there were three or four people that mentioned that they also thought this was their favorite Christmas and I think we might all be talking about the same day (laughs) because I think they're people that were there when I was there too but we did like you Nikki when we first moved to Qatar we didn't want to go home for Christmas for, for that exact reason that you said because you don't want to be planning your escape the minute you've got there. You want mm. to kind of dig in. And um, we were very lucky. We went to the Four Seasons and we stayed there that night. So they just look after kids so well in that the kids are busy and it's, it's fun and there's a lot to do. And they look after the adults very well in that there's, you know, ice sculptures with seafood all over them and um you know flowing champagne and beach and pool and lovely and uh, we just had a fantastic group you know we managed to meet some really wonderful people very early and um we just had a great group with sort of great sort of kids that are all sort of at you know, that same age and stage uh, and didn't have anywhere to go. We just settled in and stayed there. It was beautiful. Kirsty, one thing we've talked about before and <laughs> I, I would just want to ask you again is, but maybe we've got some new ideas and I don't know, what are the Christmas plans and strategies you deploy to provide gifts for loved ones when you don't see them at Christmas? And uh, do you send Christmas cards at home and around the world? Uh, no, 
no. I, I, I fail at Christmas. I know there's a few of us out there. Um, I know there's people that excel at Christmas. I fail. So the first few years uh, I was married, I think I sent Christmas cards to everybody that went to our wedding. Do you know, I just used that that group list, you know, that was on the Excel spreadsheet. You had their addresses. <laughs> I had their addresses. I sent them out. And I just never made the move over, I think. I think probably too, if you're a writer of a blog and a group emailer, probably the Christmas card you know, the whole email or the big, you know, update isn't as important because you're writing all the time. I don't know. That's one thing. But when it comes to the gifts and whatever, no, I don't do uh, G's family at all. That is G's responsibility. I think I think that happened very early in the relationship. I just thought I'm not, I'm not buying into this one. This is not this is not good. We did that. That was very good thinking. Yeah, that was we did our, it's <laughs> that. Yeah, it's that whole thing that the people that are wise enough to say, "I'm not going to start driving you to the airport because if I start driving you to the airport, one day I'm not going to drive you to the airport, and you're going to be really devastated." I do absolutely every stick of shopping for my children. I can say that now that they're old enough. <laughs> Like I have always been the sucker who's been up, you know, rapping on Christmas Eve and being feeling uh, low-level anger about that, that I have, that not only is every gift a surprise to my children, it's a surprise to my husband as well that he's got no <laughs> look idea. At that. Oh, look at that. That's great. Santa, Santa yeah. came through. Yeah. I don't know. What about you, Nikki? What are your Christmas strategies? Yeah, well, let me tell you, we it's the 15th of December today. I think we can we can date the podcast. And I have not bought one single present for anybody in, mm. in Australia or in in Copenhagen. And I went online last night to, and I thought, oh, well, 10 days. I know it's a bit rough now in Australia, but if you buy something locally in Australia, nope, nope, <laughs> delivery after Christmas, delivery after Christmas. So I've been talking to my sister-in-laws and we've all just agreed just to stick a, a card from us each other on a present that we're going to buy for our children and yeah, we'll just sort clever. it out later that is because clever. when we go to Australia when we see them we do buy physical presents that we buy often we buy something here or like wherever we are and take it with us or we or we make the effort but otherwise apart from that it's just too hard and this year is super hard because of pandemic related mail issues and this you just can't send christmas cards and i i am i think on my facebook i've got three times on my facebook timeline that where i've written christmas cards and and addressed them and then when i'm moving house i find a pile of written christmas cards and i take a photo and i say dear so-and-so in 2013 you would have received this christmas card from us Uh, unfortunately it's 2017 it never got to you so yeah look i think i'm all for the digital now like i'll just put up change my cover photo on uh on facebook and put something on my instagram stories and say merry christmas to all my friends near and far yeah Um, but i do love receiving christmas letters and christmas cards and of course, if you have any American connections, like that's really still quite big in the states, like physical Christmas cards and sending them to each other. Yes. Um, and you know the 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 sort of the 
loads and loads of, of ribbons full of cards across and around a room. So I do like that look, but I'm just not prepared to commit to contribute to it. So yeah. <laughs> that's where I'm yeah. at. I'm not feeling it at all. I, it's terrible, isn't it? Because I don't, I don't even, I see, I get Christmas cards now from politicians and energy companies and oh, those no. sort of people and it's like, oh, nah. Um, yeah, I don't. I would be just as happy, like I said, handwritten them from kids or if someone just sent me a video message on the day saying, hey, this is what our day looks like. How are you, you know, thinking of you? It's one of the gift ideas that I did say to the kids that I'd like to do and I only had three out of four that agreed that this was a good thing was I said I'd like to use the money of one present each for all of them, all of us, uh, to pay for a vaccination for someone in a country that hadn't, uh, had, you know, didn't have a government that was vaccinating them. Yeah. And uh, I saw that you can do that through UNICEF, that you can um, donate and you can pay to get people vaccinated. And really, for the cost of Bingo, one... Bingo, there's a present for my kids. Yeah. <laughs> and I just thought, well, wouldn't this be a nice thing to do? And so I said at dinner, how would people feel? Because we really sort of do three presents. How would you feel if we did yep. two presents and then one of those... one. The, you know, the usual third one would be that we would put that money towards people because we would probably get quite a few people vaccinated. <laughs> and um, you could tell they were so torn. They were really torn. They wanted to be good. You know, their little, their little and three of them were. And one of them just hearts. said, no. <laughs> and one of them just put them all out of their misery by saying, no, nah, I'm not doing that. That's, no, you can do that if you want to do that. I'm not giving up my present. No. But the others were all, oh, okay, you know, yes, I know, oh, yeah, the agonising, I know it's the right thing. Um, but, yeah, that that is one thing that I would like to do. Okay, Nikki, three favourite things. I am so busting to talk to you about Sex and the City. I cannot stop talking about Sex and the City. Have you seen it? Of course. I have seen it, yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so my initial my initial take on this with Sex and the City. Of course, it's not called Sex in the City. No, it's called And Just Like That, but everybody's calling it Sex in the City. Um, I, I saw the reviews uh, sort of, you know, within the sort of 24 hours later. I think it's fair to say that the majority of the reviews were not kind and mm. um, people – you know, general consensus was that, and I should say, we are we going to do spoilers if people don't want to listen with time to fast forward? You can't not do spoilers, can you? Yeah, no, you have to do spoilers. Sorry, yeah. people. I mean, by the time we play, by the time this gets released, there will have been three episodes released. And sorry, yes. if you haven't been able to watch it, then you probably you turn heard the about it. Off yeah, now. I have seen headlines <laughs> where people have written, and this is a spoiler, you know, the death of Big. And it's like, God. <laughs> Okay, there we go. There we go. (laughs) Okay. We're already launched into the spoilers. So, so many people jumping in about Miranda babbling and that, you know, what have they done to Miranda? She was so bright and she was so smart and whatever and they've turned her into a, you know, a babbling idiot. And um, I instantly wrote a reply online. You know I'm not that person, Nikki, right, to You're reply. You're not. I'm that person. Yeah. You're I, not that person. <laughs> I'm not that person. But I saw because I saw there was a Mamma Mia, you know, sort of 
download on, you know, this Threads, is what had happened yeah. and a critique. And uh, that was where it was happening. And I wrote a huge response, which I then deleted three minutes later because I thought, oh, no. <laughs> but my response was, no way. It was perfect. I felt so seen when I watched Miranda babble her way through her university experience as a 55-year-old woman. Um, I thought that any, I thought a lot of the critiques that I'd read were from younger people who maybe saw Sex in the City as a rerun sort of experience, maybe not in the real time, Nikki, that you and I would have seen it because we've both hit 50, is that for me, all of those people in the class with her, when she just kept putting her foot in it and just stumbling over and realising, oh, I can't say that, I can't say that, I didn't mean to say that, that's come out entirely the wrong way, Um, but all of those people the look that they gave her I recognize so well as the look (laughs) my children give Give me if I misstep just a moment you know there was a moment when Miranda uh she was you know in my mind she had done nothing wrong it was very well written in that she was basically saying when I saw you in your photo you had long hair not short hair but she didn't she said when I saw you in your photo you had braids which instantly everyone goes she's making a racial comment you know and then you can tell she's off and she's stumbling oh shit, shit shit I didn't mean to do that I didn't mean to do that but she says at the end of it you know oh listen to me when she's trying to placate and and be so endearing to this woman who she absolutely adores and idolizes um you know oh listen to me I sound like such a brown nose and instantly every brown person in the room <gasps> and I was thinking you know that is such an expression of our time generation that, yeah yeah and generation and it means nothing about color and everything about having your nose Poop. way up someone's bum. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's that whole thing when you buy a red car and every car is red since Sex and the City has come out, even the critique of it, I have found there is huge ageism in what people want to say because, you know, whether it was you were freaking out about Charlotte's face or that somebody hadn't done to their face what Charlotte had done or whether uh, Miranda had grey hair or didn't have grey enough hair or, um, you know, so much on who they should be, but they are. 55-year-old women and we're not used to seeing those women on TV in those type of shows anymore. You know, we're used to seeing those women maybe doing morning morning talk television, you know. Oh, show us how that mop works, Derek. Um, but not in the <laughs> out to dinner and someone makes a comment about a condom and the other one says, you definitely, that's seeing the condom is half full. That was such a Sex in the City joke. And it was still as quick in its timing and flippant as it was back there. So I'm busting to see where it will go because I think with the death of Big and the fact that they've brought in the secretary, I'm thinking, uh, is she going to tell us more about Big? And really, you know, having worked um, for someone who was a, a financial person, I wonder, are we going to address uh, that perhaps Carrie doesn't know uh, enough about her own financial situation. Uh, are we going to 
go down the route of um, infidelity, like what is going to come next, but I can't wait for it. Anyway, tell me what you thought. I really have been busting to talk to you about this. (laughs) Well, I think you captured a lot of things that I thought about it too. I thought when I'm reading the reviews, they're written from a very, like they were one of the university students sitting in the room. Yes. They're written from a very now perspective and not from a very, I'm also a middle-aged woman watching this. And you feel some of the things. I mean, there are so many micro things in the show. They even say at the beginning when they, you see them waiting for the restaurant and people are pushing past them, yes. like that's a sign of ageism. Like yes. of that they're older women so people aren't walking respectfully around them. Like they're just like, well, whatever. But if they're pretty young things like they used to be, yes. people might be in awe and like yes. not walking past them. So there are so many tiny things yes. that are just quite clever and I think that – so the first reviews weren't great, but the expectation was so high, I think, of yeah. it. And it was a show of its time. And so I think people want to know, could it change? Could it be a show of this time? Like, could yeah. it really change? And I think, you know, they had the Peloton in there and the whole <laughs> big and the Peloton. <laughs> and the, How did that make was, your husband feel about his Peloton? Yeah, no, he hasn't seen it. I won't be mentioning it to him. Um, I do have a little Peloton WhatsApp group with a few girls and I said, look, if if you haven't seen it, there's a spoiler, you need to go and watch it immediately. Yeah. And then the Peloton ad, of course. But, but And then one of them said, oh, she's one of my favourite trainers. I'm like, okay, all right. Uh, um, but, but, <laughs> but I think that they made it very of this time and they've talked about how they're – I think they have and I think people just need to give it a go. Like you have to set up what the new situation is. Yes. And like you talked about that, you know, and everyone said, well, Big had to die because otherwise it couldn't be sex in the city because like if Carrie's happily married, like what's, mm. where's that going? And of course they have a podcast, which just makes me laugh because yeah. everyone has a podcast. And that brilliant um, line where Miranda goes, I love you, but I'm never going to listen to your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I thought of you. That was brilliant. Um, and I heard people say, uh, I had a girlfriend who said to me today that she kind of struggled a bit. She thought that Carrie should have been a bit more out there and moved with the time. She felt that Carrie on the podcast was as if you had just picked Carrie up from 1997 and dropped her straight into to 21 without making the progression. But I disagree slightly in the fact that I think Carrie was a writer about sex and when we watched Sex in the City in the 90s and the 2000s we were um you know it wasn't something you were going to watch with your mum and it was it no. was risque well now you could watch it with your mum because life has moved on but Carrie didn't have to do any of the stuff that you now have to do if you're going to talk about those things and give that much of your self away so I loved that they did that I loved that they they really showed us how her career you know has really changed in what she has to do to make an impact with an audience yes because it was as you say it was just about her before and she could choose the boundaries of what she spoke and wrote about yes whereas now she's on a forum where someone else is choosing those boundaries and she's there as an expert or a sex expert yes. or whatever like she's there as a cis woman basically yeah she's there as the straight foil but but she can't but because she's chosen her own boundaries in the past and she's been a wealthy 
woman, you know, she mm-hmm. hasn't had to live in this, you know, new world, the world that Miranda's in at university, etc. So, yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to it. And I have read the reviews with interest. I've read comments and f- threads on, on social media with interest. And I, I, just didn't, I just watched it to enjoy it. Like I don't – I wasn't an absolute acolyte of it. I didn't, you know, hang oh, out yeah. for every episode. I'll just watch a rerun if it's on, et cetera, et cetera. So I wasn't that committed to all the characters. I'd never thought about what Sex and the City character I'd be and blah, blah, yeah, blah. Same. But I, I think that um, I, I just watched it to enjoy people like, oh, the first episode's so awkward. Or, but I was like, they have to set everything up. Everything has to be, yeah. you know, they can't just start yeah. on the ground running. And they've done as good a job as they can, I think, doing yep. that in that and whole I, setup. And it, bringing all the characters back, like you have to see all the characters that you're going to see because otherwise you're like, oh, when am I going to see that character? Are yeah. they going to be here? Are they not? But they just brought them all in and like yes. piled them in. Yeah, it was brilliant. And I just... I, I'm the same as you. I didn't live and breathe for Sex and the City, but I, uh, and I didn't get into any of the movies. So no, I, I never watched a movie. I went into this with zero expectation, and I just thought, oh yeah, I saw it pop up in the feed and thought, oh yeah, I'll watch that. That'll be interesting. Totally expecting to really n- dislike it and thinking it will be like the city, um, be like the the movies. I loved how they have dealt with Samantha as well and her leaving because I was thinking, you know, how are they going to do this without, you know, when there was always four, how are they going to do three? But I think they have really shown, I mean, yes, that could happen in a female friendship. Yes, if that was, if you were working with someone and they were doing business for you and then you drop them as your as a client, yes, they might just feel incredibly hurt and never want to speak to you again, thinking that they'd done so much for you and um, that it was that way. Uh, and someone was saying, I, I think it was a Fairfax um, review, where someone was saying about how Charlotte had commented on Miranda's grey hair and no no woman would, would uh, do that to another woman and say, gee, that grey hair really ages you. And I was thinking... No, oh, I no. think the character of Charlotte would, be, and and that was the exact that was what that conversation was all about. Was because Charlotte has chosen to dye her hair and use fillers and uh, you know access all of those things, and the other character Miranda has not. And they're showing you two women who have managed to stay friends, but have very different views about what they're going to do with their face, their hair, their bodies. And they can still sit down and have lunch but still have very different opinions about it. And I think that does happen. I have friends that have Botox and fillers and uh, I have friends that don't and we do talk about it. You know, it does yes. get spoken about It's not. It's not the silent thing. You don't no. have a whole. We don't yes. talk about that. And we do talk about what those chips will do if they're on your plate. And I am obviously someone that eats all the chips and you can tell that I do, but I know I have friends that don't eat the chips and they look amazing. Um, I, I, I just think maybe people yeah, There's don't. a lot of comment about the chips on the plate comment yeah. about how that's wrong to have that. I was like, but that, but as you say, a lot of these conversations are conversations that women in their forties and fifties are having. Yes. And so yes. it's a real conversation. So is the show about, what a real conversation would be. Obviously, it's, it's a bit fantasy because not everyone lives that kind of lifestyle. But or is it a show about 
what the conversation should be. So we yes. shouldn't be food shaming anyone. Thank you. And, and, and then they would, and then they would say, and then the reviewers would say, well, that's not how 50 year old women talk to each other. You know, yeah. like, you're not going to yeah. win, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Loved it. Hey, Nikki, the other thing I have absolutely loved this week is a show called Us. It's on the BBC. Oh, I know. I, I watched, haven't watched it. And oh. I know you've kept asking me, are you going to watch it? Have you watched it? up and watch it so I can talk to you about it. Um, so, uh, the main actor is Tom Hollander. Those who are fans of Rev, he was Rev. Um, but it's, he's, it's him and his wife, Carrie. It starts off where she wakes up in the, or in the middle of the night and says to him, I don't think I want to be married to you anymore. And it's all very, very English. It's very civilized with her saying, I don't think I want to get married. And they have this very, lovely English conversation. I mean, he's, he's devastated, but it's all very, um, polite. And, um, they have booked this amazing family grand tour of Europe because their son is about to go off to university. But they decide, okay, we'll still go on the tour because we'll give, that will be the son's last, you know, gift of them as a family. And away they go. And he kind of writes himself a few notes before he goes because he desperately does not want to break up with his wife. He wants to stay married to her. And he declares he's going to change and he's going to listen more and be more fun and be more open and do all those things. Um, because she's really quite bohemian and he's um, he's a research scientist. He's a biochemist, I think. Uh, and their son is Albie. So it was filmed between July and October 2019. It's based on the Douglas mm, Nick. The glory years. Yes. <laughs> the glory years. <laughs> the glory years. It's based on a novel by Douglas Nichols. In the novel, uh, they do more, more cities, more places. They, in, in the television series, they're kind of a bit more restricted due to budget. Um, I loved it maybe, Nikki, because of all the different travel as well, London, Paris, Amsterdam, Venice, Barcelona. Um, they're on trains. Greg and I were both saying, oh, look at them on those trains going from, you know, European city to European city. So it aired September 2020. Um, and I guess the other lovely thing is they flick between the two timelines of when they met and who they were when they met and who they've become while they've been married. So G started watching it when he got into a quarantine here in Australia. And so he said to me, oh, I'm about to watch this thing called Us. I think it was Saturday night. And um, then the next day, I, I, I didn't watch it. I would have must have been watching Sex in the City or Succession, Nikki. I've made my way there. But um, oh. <laughs> but the next day, I had the telly on the ABC, and I was walking past, and I they, there was a clip, and it was a guy who got off the train, and he was walking sort of ahead of the wife and the the son, and she said to him, "Are you going to continue to walk twelve steps ahead of us for this entire holiday?" And I thought, oh, oh God, God, I've I've said that. <laughs> That's come out of my mouth to Greg. And I just thought, and then when I watched it, there it, to me there was they were right on the money for my particular relationship, I think, of so many things they do and say, you're like, oh, yeah, that's familiar. So, um, yeah, Jean and I have dissected it uh, every night on the phone and then we have both been devastated by the ending. So I, I really need you to go and see it, Nikki. Now, 
I do oh, have another thing, but I, I think... I want to know what the ending is before I watch it now oh, because I'll, I'll be so sad. Yeah. <laughs> Look, so I'm only going to do two, two favourite things because I've gone on too much, but next week I'll talk to you about an article in the Rolling Stone about Anthony Bourdain that I absolutely loved. But, Nikki, what are your favourite things? Well, I want to say that I found a Netflix movie that I have enjoyed, a Christmas movie, uh-huh. and so I think that <laughs> I want to share it with the Federati because I've been very hard on Christmas movies this year. You have. And, uh, <laughs> and I think that, you know, so it, it's not the best movie ever. However, it, it is my favourite Christmas movie of the year and it's single all the way. It's a rom-com. It's, you know, a schmaltzy Christmas movie we can all love. So... um it's desperate to avoid his family's judgment about his perpetual single status. Peter, who's Michael Yuri, he's in younger and oh, yeah, something yeah, yeah. else. But yeah, yeah. He convinces his best friend, Nick, to join him for the holidays and pretend that they're in a relationship because he was going to take his boyfriend home. But then he it was discovered that his boyfriend was in fact married and had no um, no intention of leaving his wife. He was living a double life. So oh. that was the pre-Christmas thing. But then um, his mother wants to set him up on a blind date. Now, the supporting cast is amazing. Kathy Najimy is the um, the mother. <laughs> she likes Her name's Carol and at Christmas time she likes to be called Christmas Carol. Oh. So it's just very sweet. That's great. And she sets him up on a, on a blind date with her handsome trainer who's – um, Luke McFarlane. Now I don't can't tell you what he's been in, but when you see him, you're like, oh yeah, I know him. Yeah, and you know it all goes wrong. Jennifer Coolidge is in it. She's the gregarious aunt. You know, oh, the as aunt. always, She's yeah. Always, yeah. She's always the naughty mum. <clears throat> yeah, she plays. Yeah, 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 she plays that role perfectly. She's running the local Christmas kids pageant, mm-hmm. kid, local kids Christmas pageant, which is oh, it hilarious sounds good. As well. I'm so putting it on the list it, in the count. It's definitely, yeah, no, it's a good one to watch. The other thing is, and because we missed a week um, for various reasons, it, everyone will have heard of it, but it's still one of my favourite things. So people being stuck in places in Europe because of early unexpected snowfalls. Yeah. There were people stuck in a pub in the UK for three days with an Oasis tribute band and good luck to them. Uh, and there's an article in the Rolling Stone about that. But the one that I really loved because after all I'm living in Scandinavia, was customers and staff members stuck in an Ikea in Denmark. Oh, I did see that. Oh. And they ate in the restaurant together. The people <laughs> at the toy shop next door came in and they and then they watched TV and then they all slept in the beds in the furniture section. <laughs> and so they, they were able to um, try out beds. Some of them had been in the shop to buy beds. <laughs> so there was a, a high ratio of staff to customers so everyone it was well looked after. It kind of feels like a game of musical chairs, like you, you stay standing next to the beds when you find out you're snowed in. <laughs> Quick, grab that one. <laughs> and I just love it because it's real people sleeping in real beds in Ikea. And if you've ever been in a country where, I don't know, say Hong Kong, people take Ikea visits very seriously. Yeah. You'll walk around the corner and there's a whole family sitting in an Ikea living room like yeah. for an hour just <laughs> sitting and chatting. And or kids playing in a in a bedroom up yeah. on bunks and yeah. like their parents will go around the store or whatever. And we and know so this. Like a real... We know this because we're expats and all expats. It's part of the training routine is that you become an expert on IKEA. In fact, we should all have little name tags saying, "I'm Kirsty and I'm an expert at assembling and disassembling IKEA furniture." <laughs> Billy bookshelves, bring it on. Yeah. Uh, so I just, so it just really, really was one of my favorite things. 
And the third favourite thing is just a little clip that I sent to you yesterday as well. And it was of a, um, it's in the Christmas movie genre. And it was of um, someone on Instagram doing a reel about playing different actors in a Christmas movie. Oh, yeah. And it was someone, yeah, Yeah, doing Meryl Streep. Very good. And she's just she so Ryder, talented. I think, or yes. And you just think, oh, yeah. the, when the Winona Ryder one's the best. No, the Matthew McConaughey one's the best. Like yeah. she just really just just ups it. Yeah. Very very good. So yeah. I'll put that link in. There. It's all Christmassy focused. And, Lovely. Um, uh, they're my three favorite things. Now, Nikki, we've got a, another couple of things on the boil that we haven't talked about today. One is we had a, a really sad speak pipe message. Um, from someone who was asking about uh, do you, do the people in your home country know how to dial triple zero or, you know, 911 or whatever? And it was someone who's, they had just lost their mother and it was very sad. But I think, Nikki, I'll, um, I will keep that and I think that's something we should talk about in the future. We have talked about it in the past about what to yep. do in case of emergency. So I just want that the person to know. And all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I want them to know that we've listened to it, we've heard it. My heart just really went out yes. to you because you could hear in your voice that you were really having a rough time. And so I just wanted to note that we have heard it and we will do it as an episode when we're going when we can give it the time that it deserves. Um, yep. Also, we've, we're working on our love stories. So we've got some absolute rippers and I'm I'm loving the love. So um, thank you, everyone, that sent the love stories. We're compiling and editing now and I think we'll have that out in the next few weeks, Nikki, won't we? We're going to get a bit tied yep. up with Christmas. I'm actually working. Bit tied up with Christmas, given yeah. that none of us have bought any gifts and yeah. we're working, yes. And my husband's <laughs> about to arrive home. We will get this one out before Christmas, obviously, in the next few days. We'll have some, we'll do our end of year wrap up that we always do about the best and the worst. And the, Nikki, I know you've gone back and looked at what our predictions were for. For 20, 2021. 21, so that should be interesting. I hate to think what I said. Um, and this, this thing, oh, it'll be over in a few weeks. Um, and, uh, yeah, we can have a look at where we are. But, yes, they're, they're all the things that are coming up. And, please, if, you have any, if you're wondering how you get hold of us, if you're in the Facebook group, just shoot us a voice message. Or if you are on the internet, just head to twofatexpats.com and you'll see there's a little microphone there where you just click on it and you press a, you record a message. Um, and you can contact us that way easily, easily, peasily. Yep, perfect. Okay, Kirsty. Well, good luck. And may we say congratulations to you because this is an unexpected early Christmas present you're having because you didn't know your husband was coming home today no. or coming from one house to another house oh today my gosh, Nikki. because it's another rule change. Yeah. Gotta love the Australian government. <laughs> or the South Australian. But yes, um, he was meant to do a seven-day home quarantine, then Omicron came and um, that turned into, no, we're going to whisk you straight to a Medi hotel and none of us know what's going on. So every policeman or woman or every immigrations person or every healthcare nurse all were very honest and said, sorry, no idea, every time he asked anyone. And truly, he's a really um, 
a gentle, calm person, my husband. He's very calm. He is. And yes. so he said people kept saying to him, oh, my gosh, you're being so good about this. You know, like other people just have screamed and yelled and demanded to be, you know, let out and whatever. But he was like, oh, well, you're just doing what you can do. But he said it really was. You know, you'd get to the airport, someone would hand you a form and you'd say, oh, what's this? And they'd say, don't know. I don't know. Someone gave it to me yesterday. Don't know. Oh, okay. So if I do this test and it's negative, will I will I then go go home? No idea, mate. Sorry. Uh, we're waiting. We've got you know as much as we know. That's what people would say. You know as much as we do, mate. But all at the moment, you're just stuck in this very hotel. Anyway, then he got told everybody on the plane had to test negative for him to get to home quarantine. Then he got, you know, then it's oh, like, Oh, well, I didn't know that. Yeah. So everyone from the plane tested negative. So he had to well test done. negative and then everybody <laughs> on the plane did. And he said, which was lucky because there were only 29 people on the plane because oh, South goodness. Australia still has all those caps. And I think all the South Africans cancelled their flights, you know. Yeah. And anyone who'd started to get slightly nervy about, oh, hang on. This is all looking bit, bit familiar. I'm not doing this again. So yes. So on about day four, they said, okay, you can go home, but you can't see anyone. And this was the, this was my favorite bit of the whole exercise. You can go home, you can't see anyone. No one can come in the house with you. No one can, you know, do anything with you. Okay, great. Oh, but you have to go to Vic Park and have a COVID test, which is like a drive-through COVID test. It's a big one yep. in the city. And he said, oh well, I don't have a car. How do I get there? Oh, your family can take you. What? I can get in the car with my family. Yeah, as long as they drive and you sit in the back with the windows down, that'll be fine. Seriously. <laughs> anyway, also, I am talking for the about test. if people go, took oh him for the test. he took himself so the kids would take the car there, drop it off, uh-huh. and then they would go elsewhere and he would take the car and do it and then they would take the car home. Yeah. So, but this morning you woke up and read something in the newspaper. Yes. And then thought. Yes. So this morning it wasn't even then. It was like, I think the the press the the presser that the premier did at eleven o'clock. I don't think I saw it till two o'clock. I saw a note and some uh, on a headline that said, "Oh, international arrivals now only seven days home quarantine effective immediately." Greg's on day thirteen, I think day twelve. So I yep. mean, it would have been handy. A few four days ago, but um, <laughs> still take what you can get. It's and don't still complain. an early mark. It's still, still an, an early, early mark. minute. Perfect. Well, have a wonderful, wonderful re- early reunion oh, and give him that Christmas list. We will. All the kids <laughs> home tonight. Um, yes, bathrooms cleaned. La di la di la. We're ready. It, it actually will feel like Christmas once he comes through the door. I bet it will. Yes. Okay. Well, good chats and I'll speak to you in a week or so. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye.